How many of you have heard of Murphy's Law? Oh yeah, what is it? If something can go wrong, it will. Oh, that's right. Have you heard of Cole's Law? No, what is it? Thinly sized cabbage and mayo. That one's pretty bad. Okay, I'll admit it. That one's terrible. Fatherhood. One day, you're just another guy, and then another day, you become a dad, and everything changes in your life. I can speak that very, very clearly. It's not a joke. The real responsibility, there's no do-it-yourself guide. There's no manual that you can pick up. You can have all kinds of opinions on YouTube where you hear people about it. Our culture has opinions about it. And, in fact, our culture very often has a very negative stereotype of dads. Back in the 70s, it was a guy by the name of Archie Bunker. If you're back in those days, you can admit it now. You're Archie Bunker with his chair, and he was a grumpy man, especially to his son-in-law. I'm not going to model my life after that. All the son-in-law said, amen. Thank you. Okay. And then in the 90s, you had Frank Costanza. It was on, on uh, Seinfeld, if you were on that. That's popular culture. Just a bit of a crazy guy. And then lately, Bart Simpson, who never ages and always and still is a rude guy, but he's another one of our caricatures of fatherhood or family guy, even worse. And then on top of all that, there's, in our culture today, there's very often a negative stereotype of men generally and fathers specifically. And it can be complicated because we all have our own experience with fathers. We have, some of us have incredibly great dads who were there for us and powerful, influenced us in a good way. And others have had much less po uh, positive experiences where maybe you were neglected or you were abandoned or maybe your dad was abusive to you or however that would happen for you. That's a negative thing. And all of those things, good and bad, seek or shape, rather, our view of fatherhood generally and maybe even of God himself. And so we, it's important in the middle of a celebration, which we do every time we do Father's Day and Mother's Day, we acknowledge the tension that is in the room often. Because some of you have that great experience and some of you have something really negative and some of you are in between trying to figure it out. And some of you even right now have that tension between you and your kids and maybe between you and your dad. See, there are some people that over this last year maybe lost their father. And no matter what age that happens in, that's always a loss. I remember when my uh, dad's mom passed away. He said, I'm an orphan now. And I, my dad at that time was probably, I think, mid-60s, 68 or something like that. I said, what do you mean, dad? He said, well, my dad and my mom are gone. And I, and I remember being so uh, stumped almost that he felt like an orphan, even in his 60s, because his dad, it was an incredibly uh, difficult day, the day his dad died, with, filled with all different emotions. In the same hospital, my, my youngest brother was born, and uh, at the other end of the hospital, his dad passed away on the same day. Incredibly complicated situation for many of us. Some of you have had difficult, difficult situations. Some of you have right now maybe expected you would be a dad for, by now, but maybe the circumstances of life, a relational breakup, maybe a miscarriage, something like that, you might leave you with a different reality than you anticipated. But whatever our situation, we have the opportunity to hope in Jesus. We have the opportunity to celebrate in Jesus and to create a future that might look different than you anticipated, that the story's not over yet, 
there's a new chapter for each and every one of us, regardless of what's gone on in our life because of the goodness of God. And I start out, I always talk about this one. Psalm 68, 5 and 6 talks that a father, this is describing God, that he's a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy dwelling. He sets the lonely into family, and he leads the prisoners out with singing. It's a beautiful picture for me that God is not, not he, or he does understand where, we, where we're at. And wherever, if you've had a good father, we thank God for that. But more than all of our earthly father experiences, there's a heavenly father that's a father to all of us in an incredibly powerful way. And I love the story that he's also defending the widow who may, obviously lost the, the husband that was a father of her kids. He's still there. And he sets all of us who may have felt less than or felt that we didn't get all that we should have gotten out of our father relationship. It says this beautiful picture that God sets the solitary one into family. And that's the bonus round for me. It's because not only is God my father, but I experience him most powerfully in this thing called church, this thing called family. And that no matter what's gone on around my life, no matter if I've lost my father or I'm a single mom struggling without a father for my kids or wherever that, God's in and he shows up in the place of family, the community of faith. And, and beautiful, even more beautiful than that, it says he leads the prisoners out with singing. God does that. He sees the, the people who are locked up in physical uh, situations, literally physically locked up, but he also sees us in our spaces and places where we're locked up because of situations that we didn't even ever dream would happen to us, things that have happened uh, that have got us in, in a place where we feel stuck, that God sees us and he sets us, not only is he our father, he sets us into family to set us free into all that God has for us in every, every space, every place. It's a beautiful picture of the Father, the Father heart of God. So God is a father to the fatherless. And then there's this beautiful thing that because you're in a family, spiritual family, you can have, even if you've been left out, that there's all kinds of, even in this church, there are spiritual dads who have looked out for people. There are people who are mentoring other people. I know that there are people in the room that are looking after the children of single parents and saying, I'm gonna be a dad for them. And in whatever your space, if you're a spiritual dad, Dad, a mentoring dad, uh, somebody who is a natural dad, if you're a stepdad who stepped in when somebody else stepped out, whatever it is, if wherever you're at in that equation, we want to celebrate you today. We want to honor you and affirm that your role is absolutely vital. It's not secondary or second class. It's important to God. It's important to our culture. As goes the family, so goes the city, so goes the nation. So it's incredibly, incredibly important. No, uh, Know that today can be the day where you get a revelation of what God has for you. you know, sometimes in an attempt to raise the value of moms and women, we do this thing. We think that to honor somebody, we have to put somebody else down. We actually can do both. We can honor women and we can honor moms and we can also honor dads and honor fathers because they're incredibly important. I, I, this was underlined to me how important when a number of years ago I was visiting uh, as I did it. For a, for a number of years in a youth custody center. And these are youth that are in jail, locked up. And I asked them one time, I said, how many of you, and there was about 40 in the chapel service, how many of you did not have a dad or do not have a dad in your life? Every hand in the room went up. Every hand. Doesn't mean that if your dad's not in your life, you're going to jail. It just means you got a tougher road to hoe and, and the church and the people around you got to help, uh, help you step into all that God has for you. So important, the role of a father.
And we're trying to move forward. We, we have some great fathers in the room. We have some fathers who are doing incredibly well. We have some families that probably are struggling right now. We have some people who are struggling with all the issues that we have. But in it all, there's this reality of where we're at, what we've experienced, and then there's the ideal of God. So your dad might have been here when maybe he should have been here. Your relationship with your father or your children may be here, and it should be here in your mind. But here's the thing. Between your reality and, or your reality and God's ideal, there's not condemnation. There's grace. Okay? There's grace in the space for your race. You'll hear me say that. There's grace in the space. So we don't get discouraged or brokenhearted or stay in that place. We may have been really, really painful, but God is not finished with your story. There's grace in your space between your reality and God's ideal. So wherever you're at in that story, just continue to lean into the Father heart of God, and he's going to take you further than you ever dreamed possible. He is the one who can do more than you think or imagine. He's the one who can can take a broken mess and turn it into a message for some somebody else. You're not done. You're not, it's not over. So stepdads, dads, surrogate dads, spiritual dads, grandfathers, mentors, and leaders, you are incredibly important to help launch the next generation. And as in moments like this, we go to the Bible and the first verse I want to look to is Psalm 103 and verse 13. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate. That's the basic essence of how God comes. He's not angry with you. He's not frustrated with you. He is, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were far from God, he was moving towards us. He did not, he's not holding you at arms like his heart towards us. Wherever we're at, his basic essence of who he is, he says God, the Bible says God is love. This is a description of that tender and compassionate. That's the way he looks at us. So we want to set that parameter as we move into to the next verse, which is found in Matthew chapter 3. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. So baptism is when you get baptized, which is fully immersed in the water, you, if you've never seen that before, and then out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven, that's the Father, said, this is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased." Jesus was part of God's redemptive plan to save the world. He had God in flesh. And in the beauty of this, we see the Trinity, which is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all showing up there, the mystery of the Trinity. They're all separate and distinct, but together they are all God, each one by themselves. But God, you know, it's a, it's a complicated thing, but it's a beautiful thing. And in this moment, Jesus, who the last time we'd seen him in Scripture, basically was when he was 12 years old, uh, and it, it ended off there saying that Jesus grew in knowledge and favor uh, with God and, and man. He grew, grew, with, uh, grew up, and we didn't hear from, about him for 18 years. And here he is at 30 years old. This moment that seemed like to everybody else, people were getting baptized, maybe just another usual moment. And here he was. But in that moment, God was there. The Father was there. At this moment, That was just another day for some. It was momentous, and God the Father shows up. See, the Father shows up and reveals the power and the revelation of a a father to be present in moments that help sons and daughters launch forward in their life. This was the launching pad for the rest of Jesus' life and ministry, this moment. And those moments don't always, we don't always recognize those moments, Sometimes you say something powerfully as a father to a four and a five-year-old that helps launch them forward in their life. 
Sometimes it's when they're setting off into their married life, whatever it would be. But the father is there. And the power of a father is seen. He gives courage and he shows fathers and really anybody who's leading someone else how to help others find their courage. Find their courage. And God adds courage to you this morning. And he's also showing you us this morning, modeling for us how to encourage courage. That's kind of our title this morning, encouraging courage. The simple things that every one of us can do, two simple things, how to encourage courage in the people you're leading and in your life yourself. So first one is to recognize the value of your voice as a father, as a leader, as a mentor, as somebody who sees people, the value of your voice. Has anybody heard of the word typecast where you, that's kind of where somebody does something so often that that becomes almost who they are. That's to me somebody by the name of Rowan Atkinson, a.k.a. Mr. Bean. Okay, I saw Mr. Bean in a movie where he was supposed to be serious as some other character, and I could not get it. He's like trying to be all serious. I'm expecting him to come into a scene at any moment with a turkey on his head and say, here we go. But we're... I just couldn't get it. Like, he's Rowan Atkinson. He's Mr. Bean. That's all I know him as, and that's he's typecast. And sometimes in our culture, we have typecast men as the strong, silent type. We don't speak up. But can I tell you, man, can I tell you, if you're leading people, if you're mentoring someone, use your voice. And I don't mean that in any kind of a striking way, but your voice is powerful. Your voice has incredible impact. Notice it doesn't say that God showed up in this moment for Jesus and thought something. He spoke. And in moments, it's so important that your voice helps to define reality. It's one of the most important things because there are all kinds of other voices speaking to your kids, to those that you lead, to your family. And when they, those voices begin to define their reality, it can mess them up. So as a father, you're saying, God, help me to define the reality. Let me find my voice and speak up and say things like, I love you. I'm for you. God's got a plan and a future for your life. I don't know how, but we're going to make it. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to believe for you. The best days in life are in front of you, my son or my daughter. You know what? I had to learn how to say, I love you. I don't know why, but in my life, this is my, was my experience. It was a, probably a generational thing. My father, who was incredibly um, powerful provider who had to provide for six kids and, and started at uh, just 20 years old, and it was incredibly difficult. But one thing that he couldn't or did not know how to do was to, to say, I love you or I'm proud of you. He just didn't know how to do it. And we've talked about this since. And he's, he's now like this big marshmallow at 75 years old and, and hugging my kids. I love you and everything like that. I'm like, I, he didn't know how at 25 years old how to do it as a father. And so I had, to, I had to learn myself how to speak words of life to my kids. I saw it modeled in other men and other leaders. And I thought, I got to do better at this because my kids need to hear my voice. I did have to learn, though, that t- tone is important. Because they're like, I can remember my, my eldest daughter, she was very young at the time, putting her hands on her ears and saying, Dad, why are you yelling? I was like, I'm not yelling. I'm not yelling. I'm just intense. No. And, and I discovered something that's actually true, is that girls hear better than boys. Literally. Like they have sharper hearing. Just think of your grandma, like two rooms away. She's like, why do you say that? Like she still got it. That's my grandma. 
Like two days later, why did you say that that day? I, I, is that prophetic, Grandma, or did you hear me through three walls? Yeah, so it was that one. Tone is important. You know, like this. I've discovered this with my daughters. You got new shoes. Sounds really good. You got new shoes again? Way different. Same words. Tone's important. Dads learn. You know, I had to many times say to my kids, I am sorry the way I spoke right there. That was absolutely inappropriate. That's not the kind of dad I want to be. And I don't know why, but a little child like this can be so intimidating to speak to. I'm sorry. I was wrong. That was terrible the way I said that. That's not right. Will you forgive daddy? Like, except that sounds so easy then. I'd be like, yeah. Should we go for ice cream? Like, it's forgiven. Right there. You know, but if, it become, if that's a pattern of your life, you might need to ask somebody to hold you accountable and to help you move forward in it. You might need to go to a counselor to see if something else is driving it. Because not, we want to be people who speak words of life, the Bible talks about. And, and being appropriate for the season. Let, let your voice be heard. Speak life to them. Catch them doing right. Tell them that they're important. Tell them that you're proud of them. It can, this can apply in every situation, whether you're uh, a dad or a mentoring dad or you're somebody leading people. When they hear a boss or um, a mom or a teacher or somebody in authority be a person of affirming life, it actually can shift the atmosphere. I had this discussion with somebody recently. They said, have you ever been in a room where somebody is negative and they shift the atmosphere? Anybody ever had that? You go in and you're like, Sue, oh my goodness. Have you ever thought that maybe we could shift the atmosphere the other way? Why let the negative Nellies control the room? Let's be positive. Let's be life-giving. Let's be affirming and speak differently in every season. I'm just going to talk to you about this. It's important that as a father you recognize this. There's kind of three distinct phases that I think in life. There's the early years, which are foundation giving, where your words are more directing. This is, this is where I do, you don't ask your kid, do you feel like brushing your teeth? You're brushing your teeth because that's going to cost me a lot of money in a little while if you don't learn to brush your teeth. I don't feel like it, Dad. You're brushing your teeth. You're going to bed now. It's very directing because you're helping to build a foundation for life in them. They don't know what they should do intuitively to do things right. People who think that people are naturally good, I don't know if they've ever had kids. Just saying. And so you spend times in directing, and then as they grow up, you begin to move into the where they're confirming for themselves the foundation that you've put in. It's kind of like wet cement beginning to harden. And you have to change the way that you begin to move as a parent, as a father, where instead of directing, you begin to coach. Hey, you did that well. This is okay. Let's adjust over here. Do a little bit more there and let's keep going. And then as you move into their adult, they move into their adult years, you begin to move into a next phase, which is affirmation of the, of the, the good things that are going on in their life, speaking well into their life. But if you miss up, mess up the order, if you start to direct your adult kids, it will not go well. You shouldn't do that. Why are you doing that with your kids? What you, I would never do that. I know, you know, I was that. Do it. Boom. Well, experience that we don't want that. And at the other end of that, don't start advising your five-year-old. You direct your five-year-old. You're teaching them. You're leading them. You're you're helping them to build some good habits in their life. They don't know what they should do. So don't uh, mix it, miss it up. One thing I've discovered: no matter the age, all of us can use more encouragement and hope. And notice the words that the father spoke. This is my son, identity, whom I love. 
love, with whom I am well pleased, communicating approval. Encourage, courage. I love watching these gold mining shows. It's incredible how much work they go in to get a little bit of gold. What they do, they identify through various means where some gold might be. Then they, they strip off the top what's called the overburden. They strip off all that dirt until they hit pay dirt. Because in the pay dirt is where the gold is. But if you go into that moment and don't realize that some overburden has to be stripped off so that the gold can be revealed, you could get discouraged really fast. And so what, as a parent, as a father, as a spiritual father, in whatever place you're in, where you begin to understand to not look at the dirt in people, but to believe that God has placed in some gold. It might be covered up by some bad attitudes. It might be covered up by some burdens of pain. It might be covered up by some burdens of difficulty, by some abandonment, by from whatever it might be, by just insecurity or whatever. But as a father, as a parent, as a spiritual leader, where we begin to look beyond what we just see on the outside and begin to call out the greatness that God has put inside of them and say, I see you as a leader. I see you doing great things for God. I see that gift that God's put in you to sing and how God's going to use that to bring freedom to people's life. You begin to call things that are not as though they were. You begin to speak life into areas. The Bible says we can speak life or we can speak death. But as followers of Jesus, we speak with the voice of the Father and say, this is my son, my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. I love you. Call out the gold. Call out the good. Because your words of affirmation help to subdue, subdue anxiety. Your words of encouragement help to break discouragement. Your words of beautiful, of your beautiful help your daughter to feel a little more secure. Your words of prayer help to put backs of steel into people who might want to quit. Encourage courage, dads, not only with your, the, the value of your voice, but the power of your presence. And in our culture today, in our culture today, saturated with media, it's harder than ever to see this happen. It feels like everybody can be in the same room and nobody is in the same room together. And as our kids age, they get their own schedules. I'm discovering that. I go to find my car and like, it's not there. Who, what happened to it? Somebody took it somewhere. It's not been stolen. I've almost called the police a few times, but it's just not really. But, but if you want to reconnect, you'll probably in our day and age have to be intentional to disconnect. If you want to reconnect, you'll probably have to be intentional to disconnect. Disconnect from media, disconnect from your uh, phone, disconnect from the TV, disconnect from all the other distracting things and take and be intentional with moments of connection. I haven't always got this right myself, but I've come to learn that those we lead, whether they're our kids or our whatever they would be, anybody that we lead need our presence more than our presence. Our presence us there, not our presence. Those are good. No problem with being present. But don't let your present that you give substitute for you, for who you are. I haven't always got it right. There was a time when we had just two kids. I was fully involved in ministry. In fact, I was youth pastor for two churches at the same time. And I was probably doing 75, 80 hours a week. And kids, amazing things were happening. And it was good, really good, crazy hours. And I went away to a pastor's prayer retreat and, and we were given some time to pray and just listen to Jesus. And I thought, God's going to give me a pat on the back and all. It's going to be wonderful. And I prayed and I said, God, what do you want to say to me? And Jesus said, you're neglecting your family. You're not loving your wife well. Don't do things that I didn't call you to do. 
And I felt so bad. I was hitting every target I wanted to, but missing the most important event or the most important thing right in front of me, my wife and my daughters. And I made a determination that day. And I, I remember saying it to God, God, if I pump gas, if that's all I ever do and have to live in a one-room apartment with my family, that's what I'm going to do. Because that's the most important thing that you've put in my hand. And I came home and repented to my wife and determined to live differently from that day forward. And with God's grace, he's done so, so much because of the power of presence in me and the power of presence through me as a father. Your presence is important, Dad. Don't let anybody tell you that it's not. As they get older, it does look a little different. Be appropriate for the seasons. When I was young, this is the little things that I would do. Whenever I was popping out for an errand, I'd bring a kid with me. And when they were young, they didn't get a lot of choice. When they got, until they understand that usually a one-on-one -on -one with, with dad meant to stop at the candy store or ice cream or something like that, then they were okay with it. Putting up with walking endless miles through hardware stores, looking at things that I didn't uh, need but really wanted to buy. But that was how we did it when they were young. As they, get old, as they got older, it switched. I'm the dad who will take my kids uh, places that transit should, but I take them because I want those moments. I want to be with them. Because as they get older, those moments get a little bit harder to come by. They have university and schedules and other people that they want to talk to, especially guys that are not me. So <laughs> I, spent, I have spent much time in malls because connection with, with me or with them is more important than my comfort. And then as they get older still, hopefully they'll be taking me to my appointments. <laughs> right? Yeah. You reap what you sow. I got a lot of tickets to redeem. Another thing we made really a priority, we didn't hit it all the time, is to have dinner together regularly. You know, the Bible is full of so many stories where people just in, ate together and, and had, did life. It's an incredibly powerful thing that you can do. Do that. Dads often do presents, dif we do presents differently than moms. Presence for me when you, usually meant some rough housing, throwing them high into the air, uh, making them, tickling them until they screamed, all kinds of stuff like that. It meant doing things with me uh, as we did renovations and stuff and all kinds of things, doing things with. But fathers, dads, leaders, if you're present with your kids when they don't need you, they will look to you when they do need you. Be present. I love this verse that's on the screen there. God, your wraparound presence is my protection and my defense. Psalm 512 says your, your, your talks about your, your favor is like a shield around me. Psalm 23, 4 says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Presence. God models, Father God models the way for dads and those that lead. We honor your position. We honor your sacrifice. We honor your efforts. Sometimes they're really successful. Sometimes they're not. But we honor you as fathers. We honor you as spiritual leaders, as mentors, whatever it would be. But God's just like God. Your presence protects. Your presence defends. Your presence gives courage. It steals us in difficult situations to know that somebody has our back. And maybe your earthly father has not had your back for you or is no longer with you. I just want you to know that, that the truth of that verse, that you do not go into any situation unprotected, 
You do not go into any, any situation alone, but that God and his presence is with you, giving protection to you, defending you in every situation that you're in right now. So dads, why does your voice and your presence give courage? Because when you speak up with your voice and show up with your presence, you communicate love. God spoke, was present, this is my son whom I love. Why is love so important? The Bible says that perfect love drives out all fear. Psychologists and sociologists call this the age of anxiety or the age of fear. I think it's because many of us have lost the connection with our earthly fathers through broken homes and all this. But this is an incredible promise that God is our father and that there's a family that can walk through it with us and bring incredible courage to us to face our situations, to face our difficulties, to face the future with boldness and confidence to be who God's called us to be, to become who he's always designed us to be because he is our, he is our defender, he is our protection, and he is our life. Perfect love that drives out all fear. And when you step through fear, purpose becomes possible. I'm just going to close in prayer. Just want to bow your heads and then we're going to close out our service. I want, Father, I thank you for each and every person in this room, Lord Jesus. Lord, those that want to know you as Heavenly Father, if that's you, if you just bow your head and close your eyes, give privacy to the people around you. If you say, I, I need to know God as my Father and I've never made him my Father through surrendering my life to Jesus. If that's you today, and you say, I need to know God in that way. Just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. We're not going to ask you to come forward or anything that thing in that moment. It's as simple as, Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I believe that you came to reconcile me to the Father. And I surrender my life to you. And if in the room right now as well, if you are in a situation where there's estrangement or, or pain or difficulty between you and your father or between you and your kids, can you just raise your hands real quick and I want to pray for you. Just, yeah. Come on. Be bold. Be brave. Yeah. So, Father, those that have raised their hands around this room, Lord, I pray that on this Father's Day that this would mark a, something supernaturally, Lord, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think, or even imagine, that you would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Lord, that you would give uh, even insight wisdom and knowledge to know what to do to those that raise their hand, to when to lean in and when to pull back. Lord, that the, the power of Jesus would flow in a powerful way that you would do, Lord, reconciliation in families. Lord, I pray that our fathers, Lord, I thank you for each and every one in the room. I bless them in Jesus' name. I bless them coming. I bless them going. Lord, I thank you that the power of God is for them. I thank you that the presence of heaven is with them. Lord, that they will become all that you've called them to be, that they will be the fathers, the mentors, the stepdads, the granddads, Lord, whatever place and position that they occupy, that they will do it with your power and strength. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.